Be sure to visit makeready.tv and subscribe today to stream our exclusive content to any device, anywhere, anytime. This is Fernando Coelho with Pantier Productions and welcome to the Make Ready Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Dutch, a.k.a. Chris Moyer, a.k.a. Dutch. All depends on what you go by. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how it started, but first I'm going to, I was recently, uh, the last couple of years, I had to redo my security clearance, right? And folks come to your house or wherever you are, they meet you at a neutral location and we go through your whole life, blah, blah, blah. And he says to me, he says, do you have, do you have any aliases? I'm like, no. Any nicknames? No. Yeah, I guess I do. Like, yeah, maybe I do. Maybe professionally, all kinds of people know me as Dutch. Maybe we ought to start putting that in there. So the last time I renewed my top secret security clearance was I, we had to put it down as Dutch. So, so now it's Dutch Chris Moyer, man. That's the company, DutchChrisMoyer.com, Dutch Chris Moyer YouTube, Dutch Chris Moyer Actual on social media. So it's, now it's Dutch. And, you know, in this kind of, kind of arena, when I'm hanging out with pals, mates, business stuff, it's, it's always Dutch. If it's, if it's home life, it's Chris, you know. So back in the day, so I was in 175 a long time ago, uh, first 75th Ranger Regiment. And my platoon sergeant, John Spizo, great dude, uh, his favorite movie was The Predator. And we were doing work in Panama. So we were in the jungle. We were in the jungle. And Spizo's like, I'm gonna start calling you Dutch. And he would tell me, he would say, hey, tell, tell someone to get to the chopper. Tell us all to get to the chopper. And I would say, you know, when you're a dude, you're an E5 and he's an E7, and guess what? You're doing what he, what he, he, he do, you're doing what he wants. So, you know, I'd, we'd, we'd be at the position of attention or something uh, in the platoon, you know, 40 kids. And he'd say that and I would say, get to the chopper, you know, or whatever, you know, just be ridiculous about it. And then, uh, you know, he would, that was it. That's how it started. You know, when I graduated from the Ranger Regiment and came to JSOC, they were like, you can't bring your nickname with you. I'm like, that's cool with me, bro. I'm fine with that. I don't, I just want to be here. I just want to do good things and be here. And then he said, well, you can't bring your, you can't bring your own nickname. Fine. Call me whatever you want. Uh, but dudes that knew me beforehand called me Dutch. And then dudes that came after me Call me Dutch. I, they tried to change my name a couple different times, but uh, Dutch was always the winner, so it just stuck. Okay. It's not a bad nickname. I mean, no, it's not bad. I'll take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. It's, you know, most of the time, nicknames where I came from happened because you did something ridiculous. So Simon was my nickname for a flash in the pan because I broke my neck with the explosion from the Simon device. So you know, this is Simon. Now it's Simon. Well, I totally get that. Yeah. So, but it did stick. So. I think Dutch is better. Dutch one out. Oh, it's better for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. That, ma that makes sense. That makes sense. That's it, man. All right. So, hey, thanks for having me, by the way. No, I'm glad to have you. I mean, we've been filming for, uh, it's our fourth day. Two instructional videos. Um, a video bio. That was the fun part. Uh, now we get to actually smoke some cigars, drink some bourbon. Well, then again, we were smoking cigars and drinking bourbon every day. Nonsense. <laughs> In fact, last night was a little rough. <laughs> Not at all. Good. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. I mean, where else can you do a video shoot where you're running and gunning during the day, carbines, pistols, and then talking about waking Ned Devine at night. I mean, you know? And watching the parting glass on YouTube. Dude, I tell you what, man, that's powerful stuff. It really is powerful to me. Yeah. That's a great song. I don't know what the, what the originality of that song is. I don't know, I mean, is it, was it an old Irish or a Scottish? I mean, I, I know they're completely different here, but it, it was, is it an Irish thing? Is it an Irish folk song from way back when? I don't even know the derivation of it, but what a great song, you know, to all the comrades I ever had. You know, sorry for my going away, to, to all, the, 
all the sweethearts, you know, beg yes. me one more day to stay. Yep. You know, it's so, I'm yep. getting goose flesh right now. I, I just, and here I am, <laughs> start boo-hooing, you know, it's just, it's it, like, uh, the, like the Tullamore Dew commercial yes. with Party Glass. It's just a, it's a goodbye song. Yep. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a death, you know, it's just a goodbye song, man. It's just a... Well, and, and to here's, that, here's to you and the party glass. You know, it's the, it's the, yep. it's the thing. And to that point, Tully Moore do they? They did it great with that commercial. You have the four guys coming in the rain to the church, carrying the bottle and the glasses, and like they it's sit. It's awake. It's yeah. awake. Yeah. yeah, they're sitting down. They're giving a toast to a dude that you think is gone, until the bride is right in the background waiting for the one dude that's actually sitting there. He he's gets, gone, bro. Yeah, he's, yeah, actually, he's gone. <laughs> he, Here's to you. In a way, he died. See you later. <laughs> it's over for him. But, uh, yeah, it was outstanding. It was outstanding. There's so many... Man, I was with... Uh, was a guy named Eric. We were up, up close to Virginia Beach. And uh, we had a man's night, you know, kind of thing. And I was staying at his place. <clears throat> had a little fire. Some Knob Creek. And we were just going through old mates and their anniversaries when they died. And then we started pulling out old songs, you know, hey, how about this old song? Hey, how about this one? You know, and it's Sergeant McKenzie. I don't know if you ever heard that one. It was a Corporal McKenzie. It's, uh, that's terrible. I don't know if it's Corporal or Sergeant, but I think it's Sergeant McKenzie. Such a great Scottish, you know, it's, uh, I'm trying to think what other movies it was in too. I think it might've been in Black Hawk Down. Uh, then you, of course, you have the the man, the drummer boy. Uh, 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 drummer boy, not the that's... drummer boy. It's a uh, man, oh man, yeah, it's terrible. The brain is a terrible thing. Here, hold on. The older we get, that's it. Get the phone out. Let's let's see. I know it's Sergeant McKenzie, but I know it is. Um, I have so on this thing, right? So I have gone through so many quotes. And I just, I put them on uh, a, uh, just a, a, a notepad. You know, yeah. I just, I just grab them and I bring them back in here. And uh, I have all my names of my, my fallen, the Minstrel Boy. Minstrel Boy, yes. That was from Black Hawk Down. Yep. That was uh, Black Hawk Down. I remember man. we, when we did our documentary um, with Paul Howe on uh, Battle of the Black Sea, the story of Black Hawk Down. I reached out to the gentleman that did that song, that did a version of that song, and he let us use, he gave us the rights to use the song. Awesome. And, and we used that for the closing credits, and the closing credits was all the names of the fallen soldiers from that. So it was pretty cool. And Tom McKenzie, I think, was in Soldiers Once and Young, and it's uh, when he says, Lay me down. Yes. In the cold, cold ground. Yes, we were soldiers. Many more have gone. It's, a, you know, it's yeah, awesome, man. It's a great fucking movie too. And it, you know, you look at the, the Scottish portion of it, and it's all you can hardly read that. You know, it's it's English back in the day before English was refined. Yep, yep. It's uh, super cool. Now, one thing that I really dig that you do, and it's not just you, um, Rick Hogg and Pat McNamara, and even Jamie Caldwell, but you guys, te you teach a class, and at the end of the class. It's time for some bourbon with the students. I do. And tell me about that. You know, if uh, I kind of guess it mirrors what we m may have done at work. You know, you, you finish the day, you come back to the team room. Do we need to talk about what we did today? If we do, we do so. Most of the time, you know, I remember a good friend of mine, uh, Ryan. Oh, Hef, he cores like, hey, man, the mountains are blue. The mountains are blue. We gotta have one. Okay, sure. So it was, you know, easy NASCAR beer, Coors Light, and, and then later on it was. You know, I would always have whiskey in the team room, but um, yeah, it was just if we need to after action right now, let's talk about what happened today, and then let's talk about if we need to what happens tomorrow. And uh, hey, make sure you're here for this tomorrow. Yeah, Roger that. Hey, we'll get this squared away. Yeah, you got that taken care of. Roger that. Yep, yep, blah blah blah, and then uh, you know off you go. But so it's a tradition to me now. Uh, I'll invite them, almost a breaking bread ceremony, right? I'll, I'll invite them here. 
um, I'll bring the whiskey. I'll share it with you. Uh, I appreciate you coming here. I appreciate you working with me. I appreciate your patronage, really, in the end, and uh, and the brotherhood. Right. And if you don't, you don't have to have whiskey, obviously. You know. Sure. Maybe there's some beer. Maybe there isn't. But you know, we can learn about whiskey. We can talk about it as well. I mean, it's certainly a man's thing. And you know, I I want to regurgitate stuff we've already talked about, but bourbon itself, this old Forester bourbon here, and it's an American story. You know, it's. Whiskey all over the world is, an, is a story of that region, for right. sure. Uh, the Scots, same way, the Irish. I mean, it's, it's grains and stuff that you don't need anymore, but it's going to go bad. If you don't right. distill it, it's going to be wasted. And then, oh, by the way, can we distill it and then make money from it? So, mm -hmm. yeah, and it's... And, and, the, and then, you know, again, the, the Europeans, the Irish, they, you know, I don't know if we get it from them or not, but... I, I don't know if I get it from them or not. My family's Welsh, Welsh and German. And uh, I hope I do get it from them, but I love the commiseration. I love the good time. I love the brotherhood. Let's get together for a drink. Let's talk about some stuff, you know. And, and uh, obviously, there's, there's, you can go too far, but, man, it's, uh, well, it's a great time, man. I just I love the history behind it, right. and I love to sit around and, and commiserate and, and uh, be part of the brotherhood with it. No, it's a great way to bond. And, you know, with us here in the States, now it's, it's really bourbon being an American thing, not just Kentucky, anywhere in the United States, which a lot of people didn't know. Um, but it's really cool when you look at the stories of bourbon but behind every manufacturer. And one of the hardest things to, to wrap my mind around is you could be in the flat range, you could be training, and that's the skill set you're learning now that you can use today, tomorrow, the next day. Um, there's things that you can buy that you're going to have for years to come, right? But when you're talking about bourbon, you just bottled, or you just, excuse me, you just barreled your bourbon today. Gotta wait four years, four fucking years to go, huh, that was good, or mm, maybe not so much. And then after that, you have bourbon that's 10, 12, 18 years old. Now, granted, I know, single malt scotch, same story. But to think about, you have to wait. And how many lots or, or, or batches of bourbon are you going to have in your life where in reality it's going to be for your kids or your grandkids? Yeah, you're not going to have that money. No. From A to Z. And then, like you said, close the door, wait. You're not gonna have that many. No. I mean, how many you're gonna? I don't know. I'm, what if you got into business of distilling now? Uh. <laughs> what if you started doing something like that now? You're yeah. not. You may not see your product. You may see one, right? Two batches at the most of your product. If I'm 57 years old, I'm gonna start my product right now. You won't be a while. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm 53. To think that. Is that something my kids would appreciate or benefit from? Or go, Dad, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> or, Dad, you did a really good job. At that point, sorry, right. I'm just watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is something, it's, it's, it's really hard to wrap your mind around. It's pretty fascinating. You yeah, know? There's a science behind a lot of stuff. We talk about the green grass. There's a, there's a science behind getting grass the way you want it to. There's a science behind everything, right? Oh, yeah. There's, there's a science behind this, this thing you're doing right now, this, to have multiple cameras at multiple exposures and the ISO speeds or whatever you guys do. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool to watch it and to be part of it for the last four days. Pretty damn cool. I, I appreciate it. that. No, I appreciate your hard work. Uh, one key thing for me has always been you surround yourself with great people. You get the best instructors to film. Then I don't have to worry about the content that's being portrayed. It, it's what they're showing is legit. The instructor's legit we're good to go. Then we have crew that know what they're doing. I'm not a cameraman. Can I run a camera? I can run a camera. And I can listen to monitor. I see you run a camera. And I, I, can, I can run a camera. I'm not a cameraman. I can listen to monitor audio and, and set up a lav. I'm not a sound guy. You know, I, I have the vision. I know what I want. But then I put the best people behind the cameras and the gear to make it happen. And that's how we've always done it and that's that's the only way i see things being done you can't half-ass anything in life do this shit right or don't do it at all 
you know? Hate them when people half-ass shit. I mean, even, or gimmicks. I hate fucking gimmicks. You know, I see it in the firearms industry all the time. I mean, 29 years now I've been in the industry from the making ammunition to doing tactical clothing to um, the videos. Videos now for 12 years. Especially in the training world, everyone's got to have a gimmick. And that gimmick could be whatever. It could be uh, um, flicking their carbine to the side so that the magazine goes flying out and hits the person next to them. The art of the mag flip. Yes. Who started that business? Was I don't know. A, God bless your boy. Was it Haley? Was it him? Um, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure if it was Haley or it was, but Costa. Or, they would turn or, the rifle yes. really hard, right? And the magazine would fly off and hit the person two, two rows over. Then there was a parody video about that. There was the art of the mag flip. Yes. Like, yes, there was. I need a mag. Yes, there was. <laughs> I need a mag. Yeah. <laughs> they would fly these mags over, you know? Yes. You could easily use a mag. If you could use a full mag that way as a, honestly, to hit somebody in the head with it. Right? <laughs> Oh, it's, well, or how about... Um, let gravity take place. Leave the rifle here in your shoulder. Let gravity take place. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. Wait, you mean, do you mean the magazine's actually going to drop out by it itself? Can, it can do it. And if it doesn't, hey, if, do we do a pre-combat inspection? A P-C-I. If we do a pre-combat inspection, we check all of our magazines to make sure they fall out of our gun. Right. Huh. And if they don't, maybe you shouldn't use that magazine if it comes to a life-saving event. Just like you said, you're gonna half-ass something? Yeah. Half-ass it. Go ahead, help yourself. But should you half-ass a rope when you climb a mountain? Yeah, that would suck. Should you half-ass a tourniquet when you wanna stop the bleeding? Yeah. Should you half-ass your magazines or your rifle or your pistol? Hmm, probably not, it's probably a bad idea. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, let's, let's put on some really bold tires. Let's, let's drive down the highway at high speed, in the rain, with no track, no tread on your tires. Is that a good idea? <laughs> Probably not. No. Let's careen ourselves into debt. <laughs> no. Look, if it's a life-saving thing, don't screw around, right? Uh, maintenance, PCIs, does it work? Yes. If it doesn't, stop it. Do something else. Uh, all right. Techniques. You know, and you mentioned a minute ago, right? Training, right? Okay. The, the, this particular world is flooded with men that are getting out, men that are, you know, they're finished doing what they do, and there's a lot of good dudes out there. But there's a lot of iffies out there too. They're, it, you know, it's a, it's, we used to say ranger school, right? That's a technique, ranger. Not the preferred technique, but a technique nonetheless. <laughs> now there are, there are goals here. Can you do this? However it is you're doing it, can you do it? And you do it safely, and you get the task done that you wanted to? Sure, okay, fine. Okay, I'm fine with that. But. Then, then you delve into economy of motion. Is it the right thing to do? Because really this action that you're doing, this drill or this technique that you're using, is it gonna, is it gonna shave a second off your life? Is, not off your life, sorry. Is it gonna shave a second off the engagement so you can win? Uh, is it going to allow you to just be slightly ahead of the other guy in a paint on paint engagement? I don't, you know, there's a lot of techniques that guys use in in uh, in the, uh, the the competition competitive shooting arena. Mm -hmm. Some of those techniques are very good, and they can be used in a combat-like environment, right? And then there are some other cats that'll tell you that the combat way is the only way, and and uh, that professional shooting techniques don't get you a tight shot group or something like that. I just saw this on a meme the other day, and. Uh, that's that is not true. The only, what gets you in a in a tight shot group at speed is practice mm -hmm. and developing the technique. Now, is it the technique that works best for you, or is it the one that has the the most economy of movement and that will save your life? Those are the things you need to look to. Um, the Temple Index is an interesting thing, right? The Temple Index. A couple of instructors do that out there, and you know, you know, can you move from there to there? In the Temple Index, or can you move around? I think it was developed inside of a car when the guy said it's VCQB, vehicle, close quarter battle. All right, let's let's go on a limb here and insult someone, or I don't want to insult anybody personally, but that's not a thing. Close quarter battle is close quarter battle. I don't care if you're in a car or in a house or you're in a pasture or wherever it might be, close quarter battle is close quarter battle. Now, and again, it's not dogmatic. There are principles we use and the rest of it is really a complicated thinking man's game. It's a fast moving, 
complicated thinking man's game. So stick with the principles, and then most of it's not written. You, right. These situations can't be written anyway. There's way too many variables. Now, going back to the Temple Index, the biggest thing for me is I want situational awareness and spatial awareness everywhere I can on whatever battlefield I'm in. Is it Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria or Ukraine or Poland, wherever it might be? You know, I want all the situational awareness I can get. That's why I shoot with both eyes open. That's why you do the things you do. So if I Temple Index, I can't even see you right now. I can't even, I can't see you. Well, then part of my battlefield has already been masked by my own self. Why don't we just keep it in compressed ready? You know, I've seen the same technique with the Sewell. The law enforcement officers use a thing called the Sewell technique. It was probably put together by Bob Sewell or whatever, you know, old man Sewell's boy, wherever it was put together. And the Sewell is this pistol in your front here at a very interesting, uh, your two hands, compressed, but it's at an angle, so it's facing down. Yep. And I'm positive that Mr. Sewell uh, designed this so I could be in a stack with somebody else and it's not oriented toward your back or anything else. But people constantly forget that this, my friends, is what makes the gun go bang. So something has to get in here and make the gun go bang. This is why people uh, bitch at me when I wear uh, uh, a pistol with a clip draw, I'm an anti-holster holster guy. I mean, I like holsters. Holsters certainly have their place, but I love the clip draw because it's it's less bulky. It's just a clip. But oh wait, there's no protection from your your trigger. I've gone through that evolution. You know, I've gone through all that. Uh, it's just, again, it's just another technique, man. Oh man, you know, I've changed a tire with it in my pants. I've climbed a wall with it in my pants. I've mowed the lawn with it in my pants. Oh by the way, I have it in my pants right now. Uh, I've gone on long trips in a car or a truck with a dog going back and forth from the co-driver's seat to the driver's seat over and over again. And, and, and you know what? There was a time I was concerned slightly that Mr. Man would push his paw into my trigger well. But again, a stock gun, Glock or Sig Sauer, anything like that, any striker-fired guns, we're talking about five to seven pounds of pressure to move that thing back. It doesn't work that way. You know, these... these <laughs> We've seen it before, you know, these, the, the guy outside the nightclub shoots himself in the leg. Right. Because like, he put his finger in the trigger well. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what he did. Yeah. You know, there was the guy that was on Tosh.0 oh, uh, who shot himself in the leg with a fast holster or whatever. And he's on video going, oh, I can't believe I shot myself. I can believe it because <laughs> you put your finger in the trigger well and you pull the trigger. Um, it must have been in my holster. It must have been this or that. And then he goes on Tosh.0 and gives her a, he makes fun of him. You know how Tosh is. He makes fun of everybody. Yeah. But come on, man. It's because you stuck your finger in the trigger. Um, guns don't go off by themselves. Right, right. Uh, contrary to uh, people think about Sig Sauer or anything else, guns don't go off by themselves. They don't. Uh, we can go on and on with it, right? It's the uh, the ten gun versus the high ready. Yeah. You know, I I'm, I am kind of passionate about some of these things. You know, it's it's not stupid. The ten gun probably has its place somewhere, but the high ready is much faster, and I can still move my gun around just like I can with a compressed ready. I can still move my gun around if I have to move in and out around people and things. Um, you know, there's a lot of bother about. Flagging. Oh, you flagged me. You flagged me. Fernando, you flagged me. I, guess what? In a complex, close quarter battle environment, everybody gets flagged a little bit. Right. It's got to happen. Right. But what makes the gun go bang? And then this whole, this whole process, you know, this, this whole, the whole mental process is, there's my potential threat. Here's my rifle. I raise my rifle to meet the potential threat. At the same moment, I'm rotating my selector lever, inserting my finger, finding the dot where I want it to be, and then, oh, it's not a potential threat. I'm out. It's the psychological portion. It's a whole process. Uh, another good friend of mine and I were talking. Rightly so about should you put your finger, should the finger really be on the, on the, on the trigger with your with uh, your weapon on fire before you go into the room or should it be on safe? You know, what's the difference in time factor? It's minuscule, right? And, and you do it with, with training. I mean, it's just with training. The thumb goes down, the finger goes in. Just that fast. Right. It's, you know, 
You know, there were stories though. I remember stories of uh, like N Company Rangers in Vietnam patrolling in the jungle with their rifle on fire, finger right by the trigger because they thought, they really thought that that would give them an advantage to a, a jungle ambush. Um, you know, when Charlie and I talk about that, the difference is minimal at best. And, you know, if you're, you're screwing around with your weapon on fire, man, you know, it's, it's not the thing. Proper gun handling is anytime you move, you know, you put it on back on safe, anytime. Well, I've heard that with uh, those that, that, that rag on the 1911. Well, you have, you have a manual thumb safety, okay? You have to take the thumb safety off to fire it. Um, Just the thumb safety, though? Take, well, you Mr. Mean, Browning made that gun with three safeties. You mean I, I can't flick my thumb down as my finger's going in the trigger guard? Of course you can. I mean, it, did, I, did I lose time in doing that? Nope. I mean, no. I've, I've seen some pretty good Mozambique drills. Going back, Miami Vice, Jim Zubiana. Look at you. Is this your first cigar? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I can't take you anywhere. Disgusting. It's like, do you need a bib? If I had a proper cigar that would hold an ash much longer than this. Oh, oh, mine's still holding. It must be. A, I, I, I don't know. No, I don't know. Maybe you're babying it. Uh, I, I might be. I might be. <laughs> Are we good now? I think you're fine now. God bless America. But it's it's That's what happens when you're driving your truck across country. Oh, ah, shit, it's yeah. on my lap, I'm yeah. getting oh, burned. Oh, I've had that happen, I'm yeah. Burned, it, but yeah. You know, no, ash everywhere, yeah, it's, 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 that's a thing. It actually does suck. It's, it's interesting though, uh, also with gear. I've seen more guys on the range showing up with a new Gucci gear in their carbine or a new holster, but usually it's on the carbines where they'll have a new, new stock, new, new anything. And it's like, wow, have you used that yet? No. You're here to take a class? How about the new Red Dot? Who cares about a stock? Oh, God, the yes. New, I just put this optic on. Is it zeroed? <laughs> yeah, it's zeroed. Sure it is. <laughs> it's zeroed from the factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it isn't. What, a class of, what, 15, how many do you think will be zeroed? I, I, I don't want to go over 12, right? So, I, you know... One to ten is my best ratio, I think, mm -hmm. for, for instructors. I mean, one on one's the best, but I don't want to go any higher than ten or twelve, right? But yeah, when you say, "Hey, evolutionary gunfighter, mm -hmm. come on to the class. It's a big deal. You know, you're gonna shoot six hundred rounds of five five six today." Blah blah blah. And then uh, we go to the position shooting or something, and then uh, a, a, a uh, I'm not zeroed. Like a five hands go up. You know, one third of the class. Yeah. You're not zeroed. Yeah. You gotta bring a zeroed gun, man. You yeah. gotta bring a zeroed gun. So. It helps, it saves time, right? Zero your rifle, where, where are you gonna zero it? 25? Okay, 50? Okay, 37 and a half? Okay, a 100, 200? I, you know, in the end, it doesn't even matter where you zero. To me, honestly, I don't care as long as I know that you understand your sight to bore ratio, and as you get closer, or where you need to be, where you need to put that dot. Um, you know, these cats, Again, like you said, but there are, again, there's preferred techniques and techniques nonetheless, like blah, blah, blah. but the, uh, you know, that, uh, there's cool controversy to that too, though. There really is. I mean, is it, is it a 50 to 200? That certainly works. Is it even more accurate if you do a 37 and a half? Maybe. <laughs> um, but there's so many things, there's so many variables in, in mind too, right? The, the weight of the projectile, uh, the, your distance, the atmospherics, blah, 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 but... You know, we're not, we're not, you don't zero in a bubble. You don't right. zero, nobody zeroes in a ransom rest. I tell my students too a lot. I said, you ever read uh, American Rifleman or you get something like that from the NRA, which is, these are great magazines most of the time. And they'll do a test on whatever rifle and it'll say the three or four different kinds of ammunition they used. Uh, and here's your groupings and et cetera. I said, well, where do you think, the, who do you think holds that gun when they zero that gun? It's in a ransom rest. Mm -hmm. And most people don't know what a ransom rest is. Right. It's, it's a vice. So you have to make your body like a vice to get the best shock group you can get, right? Considering all the atmospherics. Again, uh, air, humidity, wind speed, blah, blah, blah. You know, but it's, it is funny. We don't, we don't work in a, in a laboratory. So, right. you know, just try to do the best you can. Get those rounds on target and... But it's, it's cool. I dig it all. I dig, I dig it all. I really do. I, I love being able to just give a little bit back, you know, and teach them all uh, what 
just a little bit of something or other. It's, what's interesting is how many law enforcement officers really aren't zeroed when they should be. And then when it comes to the pistol, almost every constabulary I've been to, they don't use fully adjustable rear sights because it's difficult to get those. Or most guns you buy off the shelf only come with a windage or a drift sight. Right. And, uh, you know, the, they don't do the RDS yet. Most of them don't do a red dot sight. Uh, and there's some great guys that I respect. One in particular right now. I still like him. I respect him. But, you know, he, he poo-poos the RDS. I, I disagree completely. We can on get a, into that in a minute. But On, on a pistol or a carbine? Pistol. Yeah. Pistol. Really? Yeah. He, he poo-poos it because um, it's too difficult. It's, it changes presentation, he says. And it's too difficult to find the dot, he says. Uh, I think my personal opinion is that the red dot for a law enforcement officer is the thing to do. And I'll tell you why. Don't you want to know why? Of course you do. You, <laughs> I, I tell you why because when you know when you're doing iron sight work, you see the target. You bring back your your sight alignment to, or sorry, your sight picture. You bring it back to having your iron sight clean, clear, crisp, blah blah blah, and then you go ahead and break the trigger. With the red dot sight, you don't have to do that. You have way more spatial awareness right. with a red dot. Now I can see, right, I have both eyes open, I see the dot, I can see a lot of other things too. I don't have to bring my focus directly back to that front side post. And you and I already mentioned that we are past the age of 50. Guess what happens to these babies, right? They degrade. You can't stop it, right? This is, this is physical science. You can't stop this, yeah. this stuff. So now, like Robbie Latham said it, you know, I can't see my front side post as well as I used to. Right. Uh, so yeah, the red dot's probably the way to go. And it's the way to go just, to me, more than anything, it's because spatial awareness. You have more of it when you can see, because you could put that dot on something, and you could almost move around halfway. You could move around plenty in this space here and still have that dot on somebody. Well, that makes and sense. You could see it in your peripheral vision. I think, I think my only difficulty was when I first transitioned to trying a dot. Completely correct. And that's, it's like you're so focused on front sight, rear sight alignment, focus on that front sight, you're talking about very minuscule items on your slide that you're focusing all your attention on and on the target. And now all of a sudden you have this nice red dot. That's all you, that's all you have to worry about now is the dot. And it, it, it took a little getting used to, but once you got used to it, it's like, oh shit. And one of the big things to get used to is to find it. Yes, yes. Find it. Yes. I can't find it, I can't find it, I can't find it, I can't find it, you know. Yeah. So, you, so I tell people every time I pull it out of my pants, if I'm going to the bathroom, if I'm eating chow or whatever, I'm just gonna pull it out. Every time I pull it out, no matter what, I'll find a place just to, just to find it again and again and again and again. So it becomes muscle memory. You know, the Navy SEALs, uh, you know, we talk trash on each other, I get it, and that's fine. But, you know, a lot of the Navy SEALs used to put a, uh, and uh, there's another cat out there, I can't remember his name actually, sadly. But it, we they do drills where they cover up the RDS, you cover it up. So you're really relying on a, a marker on the back of your pistol where you can constantly find that. that, that those are great things to do. Those are great drills to do. Mm -hmm. You know, find where that is. It's, it really becomes, it, it becomes you, to, it, it allows you to become better at point shooting, if you want to call it that. It's you, presentation, there's the thing, there's the block, fire the weapon, and you're, you're gonna be somewhere in the A box, you know. Is it gonna be right on top of each other? Probably not, but it's gonna be damn close. Yeah. Uh, you know. So now, training. Speaking of training, are we? Yes. How many different courses do you offer? Because I mean, hell, um, someone watching this would want to know, you know, what kind of, I mean, what, what do you offer? But I appreciate you asking the question. How many classes do we, we offer? We offer like four basic classes and then I would do turnkey for any organization that needed it. One of the first things I ever do, if, if, a, if a law enforcement officer, SWAT guy, you know, obviously we deal with SWAT guys more often than regular police officers, but if I was to contact a police officer or he's contact me, I say, hey, what can I do for you? What have you men been doing? What have you been practicing on? What would you like to see? And we can turnkey that easily. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to generic, uh, some of the giants out there have these great classes. You know, this is really my first full year of having classes uh, on the calendar. So we offer, and I, I create these names because how easy to say Gunfighter 101, Gunfighter 102, Gunfighter 103, Advanced Gunfighter, 
<laughs> Weak gunfighter. Weak sauce gunfighter. <laughs> Shitty gunfighter. Super, super guru gunfighter. I don't know where you, you know. I, mean, I was like, geez, I got to come up with some names and I want them to be kind of cool. So my beginner's class, if you want to call it that, is called the Gunfighter Awakens. And I do all this under the Evolutionary Gunfighter banner, uh, which is all about leadership and about the techniques that I've used in, in combat and in in training to, to be better shooters. But It's a badass day, by the way. I, uh, thank you. We're in a hug fest. Thank you very much. <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, uh, it caught my attention when I read that. I'm like... Oh, fuck, that's, that's pretty cool. The gunfighter awakens, one. The evolutionary gunfighter is really everybody, what everybody likes is the second class. Uh, and then the time of the gunfighter is the third class, which like when Mike Voigt would come visit or when Robbie Latham would come visit, he would just say, here's a drill, let's go. Let's shoot our heads off. You know, Mike would say, here's a great drill, let's go shoot. Uh, let's do a man-on-man -man competition and shoot, shoot, shoot. The time of the gunfighter is my, I'm going to set up a shoot, let's go shoot it. Got it. Because you're hopefully, right, out of the 10 students we have, hopefully 80% of them are in that category where I want to shoot around vehicles, I want to shoot in vehicles, I want to shoot from vehicles, I want to do movement to contact, I want to shoot a steel challenge that incorporates rifle, pistol, uh, under stress, uh, strong arm, weak arm, sorry, strong side, weak side, you know, left hand, right hand. I want to do all that, incorporate all into a giant combination culmination shoot uh but time of the gunfighter is more in blocks it's a we'll do a block of of shooting eval then we'll come back and we'll talk about the system what system are you shooting are you shooting a uh, 1911 style hammer fired or are you shooting a struggle fired gun mostly nowadays everybody's shooting glocks and sigs and smith and wesson's mmps whatever that's all pretty much striker fired guns and you know, we go through the process. We say, okay, well, how does this work? Mm -hmm. Let's let's get rid of the myths. Let's figure out what's what. You know, what's safe, what's not safe. Uh, oh, by the way, you know, I'll take a I'll take a round. We'll talk about the different calibers of rounds too and what they do. We'll do a little ballistic class, which is your thing, and I'll pull the round out, and I'll dump the powder on the table, and I'll light that powder, and we'll do different kinds. We'll do a Maybe somebody's shooting uh, ammo ink. Maybe somebody's shooting Aguila or however you say that name. Maybe somebody's shooting a Winchester or whatever. And we'll, we'll see the different burn rates. We'll yeah. Sometimes you can clearly see the faster burns or the slower burns. Yep. And then I'll take that casing and I'll put it in the chamber of my pistol and I'll shoot it. And everybody, well, that's the tiny explosion. It's a peep, you know, it's pop, really. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to have your pro to hear a, a primer shoot. Nope. But this is what happens. It's not exciting at all, but you have to understand that this is what happens. The striker or the hammer, right? The firing pin strikes this primer. The primer goes off. The casing inside here, inside this chamber, it explodes because that's what lights up the, the, yeah. the powder yep. and the projectile goes down range. Um, so yeah, so I, I go through all that in a block and then we'll go back and shoot some more and we'll come back again. We'll talk about uh, different, different things, but that's in a block format. Uh, Evo Gunfighter and Time of the Gunfighter, Evo is more instructional, and it's almost everything's done from the line. Almost everything's done from the line. We'll talk, we'll talk about functions and the cycles of functioning of the weapon, and we'll probably even watch a video if when we do Evo Gunfighter. But uh, we'll get really deep into the into the rifle and what makes it go, and we'll talk about direct impingement guns versus certain piston guns, and we'll look at different piston systems. I have numerous different rifles and piston guns and I have a direct impingement gun or two too so we just talk about the differences in these things and how they work uh, because I always do just one of the things I always say you know if you're a man and you're carrying a gun around with you you better know how a damn thing works yeah first and foremost it'll help you diagnose any kind of malfunction but you need to know because it's your thing sometimes I get exasperated I'm a car guy I'm a car nut I love the modern miracle of the internal combustion engine uh, I think it'll be around for a long time. I know electricity is the big thing right now. Everybody loves electric cars, but the internal combustion engine isn't going away ever. It's never going to go away. Diesel trucks, cross country stuff. It's just right. never going to go away. And it's a fantastic miracle. Um, and I say to, to people, if you're a man, you should know how this works. Because especially if you're a man and you own a house, you have grass. That grass has to be cut by a mower. That mower is your mower. It's an internal combustion engine mower. It's very simple, but you have to know what makes it go? You know, oil, 
air fuel mixture, spark, explosion, blah, 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 you know? And it's the same thing with a rifle, man. You gotta know how this works. Mm -hmm. And I think Larry Vickers might've brought that up a long time ago. If you know how your lawnmower works, you damn better will all know how the, the freaking 1911 works or the, or the Glock works. Right. Uh, and the same thing goes with a rifle, man. It, and, and I tell you what, the rifle too, watching this thing go, thinking about how it goes, the rifle is even more exciting to me when you watch it, when you think about it, how the machine works. Uh, on the inside, it's just absolutely, again, these weapon systems that we use now, and then to look at the evolution of the weapon system from the, the a match lock, a flint lock, uh, cap and ball, mm -hmm. to repeaters, and then now, you know, a machine gun. There's a great scene in... Uh, in the movie Glory, and I said this before I know to you, but I mean, I communicate to students a lot in movie quotes, uh, examples from movies, and a lot in music, but there's a, there's a movie called Glory. It's about the 54th Mass, the first black regiment uh, that fought in the Union. And uh, it's, uh, it's based on all the letters that Robert Gould Shaw, who was the colonel of that regiment, and uh, everything that happened to the, this regiment. It's a great scene where it's a leadership scene. I just did a two hour leadership block in uh, Fort Bragg and I used this video. They're just screwing around. They get these new rifles and they're just screwing around. They're just shooting. Oh yeah, I'll give you a dime. Give me a dime. I, I Put a dime on that. He's shooting a, you know, a, a bottle far away, whatever he's eating. And the Colonel comes up and says, hey, you're a pretty good shot. So now shoot it again. This time I want you to do it faster. Go faster. And then he starts shooting a revolver next to it because there's now there's a, a large amount of stress inoculation and there's noise and there's confusion. And he's like, hey, hey, faster, faster. And he says to all the men, he says, you know, uh, uh, a good soldier can fire three well-aimed shots in a minute. Think about this, this is 1863, 1864. Three well-aimed shots in a minute. And now, how many shots can you fire in a, in a minute now with, with a, with a rapid fire, even if it's a semi-automatic weapon. Well-placed shots. God bless, man, you can yes. shoot a lot. Yes. Right, the ability for humans to kill each other <laughs> is way better than it used to be. Um, and, you know, it's a great, again, the ending of that scene is, hey, I want you to train them better, train, train them smart, train them properly. And then uh, hopefully that's what, you know, hopefully with the, the blocks of instruction we do, hopefully that's what we can do, but. Yeah, your classes are um, pistol, Pistol carbine, carbine only, what are they? Yeah, rifle, pistol. Okay. Yep, so most of the classes what we do, even if we do, most most everything we do is two day set. Okay. We, we are doing a, what we do, a, what we call now a mill slash Leo development course, which is one day, one day only. And it's really inexpensive. It's for military and Leo guys that are around me or want to come visit us either way. And uh, we cover everything in, in a 10 hour period. Okay. Um, and I often say to people too, it's, it's almost like uh, an amusement park. If you pay the money to come see us, we'll start shooting at zero nine and we'll end whenever the sun says so. We, if you want to keep shooting, man, we'll keep shooting. You know, I want to, the other day we did a Evo gunfighter and we finished uh, in a dark. We finished in low light conditions for sure. It was pretty cool. So we'll, we'll shoot all day, man. That's cool. And then at the end, you know, we have a fire and some cigars and uh, a little bit of brown water and, and have camaraderie there. We'll tell stories whatnot and, and uh, make it part of a, a tribal tribal effort, you know? Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, pistol, your sidearm, of course, whatever that might be, that whatever the pistol is, and a carbine rifle. Um, you can bring a, you know, you can bring a pistol too. I mean, pistol, I mean, rifle caliber pistol, it doesn't matter. Right, right. SBRs, whatever, it's all the same. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That is very cool. I'm very fortunate that our fellow friend, Rick Hogg, introduced me to you. We First thing we did together, I also uh, we did the Inside Story Roundtable, which was badass. That was you, Jamie Caldwell, for those that haven't seen it, um, Pat McNamara and yep. Rick Hogg. It was all the worst chairs ever. And oh. <laughs> conditions are horrendous. I did not pick the chairs. Somebody didn't bring media. <laughs> Uh, uh, somebody didn't bring sunscreen. Somebody, yeah, well, somebody wore uh, flip flops. I don't know. It was, it was, oh, well, it was no. mayhem. Flip flops. That was that was definitely not, a, not. That was that was kind of funny. Mac called him right out on that. I mean, 
Opening scene. Opening scene. <laughs> I talk smack like that. I mean, so I'm in Erbil, uh, northern Iraq. That's the capital, right? And uh, we're at a station up there, and guys will walk around and flip-flops or something. I'm like, hey, bro, if the balloon goes up, you, you don't want to be that guy. Because in the end, you're going to be like John McClane and not going to be plaza with glass in your feet. <laughs> best Christmas movie of all time. Well, close. It might be the best. I think it's the best. Uh, but is it a Christmas movie? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Bruce Willis, did. what did he say about it? I don't know. I don't care what he said about it. <laughs> I, will fall, I, will die, I will die on that hill. I will fall on that sword. That is a Christmas movie. No, I agree. Man. It's a Christmas movie. I agree. I, agree. I mean, the main bad guy, right, Hans Gruber, played by, now, uh, played by uh, Al Allen Rickman, who has now assumed room temperature, God bless him. Uh, he, 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 he's singing uh, Ode to Joy by Beethoven. I mean, come on. That's, yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, and there's plenty it's, of Christmas it's, stuff in it's there. A, it's a Christmas movie. I agree. Yeah. I agree. During Christmas time. Yeah. Christmas movie. Come on, man. Well, that. The Weapon is all that my other favorite Christmas movie. The other thing I learned about you during that sit-down roundtable was you're a history buff. Oh. Again. Hey, I can't help you smoke a cigar, dude. I mean, this is like comic relief. This is I, I can give you a cigar. I can give you a lighter. God bless America. But what happens after that? Did you I, see, the ash was not that long, bro. Hey, we, do you want to reach out to the manufacturer? Hey, <laughs> I do actually. I want to reach out to the manufacturer right now. Get him on horn. <laughs> God bless, bro. It's terrible. This You're is okay, why man. we do not have nice things. God. But now, we. during that sit down, are you okay now? You, you sure no, I'm not actually. Uh, yes. Between you and Mac, I knew Mac was a history buff. I had no idea that you were a history buff. And also, the music buff, too. Yeah. You didn't even know my name yet. You're well, right. hell, I, I, I still have our time. Who is this shipper? That's why it's always like... Do I have to have another guy? <laughs> Who's that guy over there? <laughs> hey, at least you weren't wearing the flip-flops. Fucking clown. No, I was wearing shorts and boots. Boots yeah. that looked pretty much just like these. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. My boot guy. Well, it was a good video. It was actually well-received. We have to do more like that. Go, go back to your history thing. What were you going to say? Well... You're a history buff, and that is, that is awesome, because a lot of people not only have forgotten history, never really studied history, and they have not really, you can't learn from history if you don't study history. They ought to be taking that damn effort in actually learning something. Or watching American Idol or something. Oh, well, yeah, that's... that's... Or TikTok. Well, yeah. That's how I first saw you was on TikTok. Amazon. No, you did not see me on TikTok. <laughs> Blasphemer. I don't have TikTok. I would never have TikTok. You say that now. Wait till we're done. I've already said it. Oh, I'm saying well, it again. We're going to put music to you. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I will never have TikTok. Well, you. Mark it down. You may not have I TikTok. I just told the camera. So, oh, bless, man. You're training law enforcement. You're yep. training civilians. Yep. Training military. Yep. You're based out of where? Uh, North Carolina, Moore County, North Carolina. Okay, but you train all over the country. I do. If uh, this year, I'll say if and then I'll go back. So this year we're going to be all over the United States, but we're uh, in Texas for the TTPOA. We're going to okay. be in Kentucky for the Kentucky Tacticals Officer Association. We're going to hopefully be in California for a couple different things. Um, going to Poland uh, before the summer is over. Um, so yes, uh, I go all over the country. If there is a constabulary that wants to do training or I always say this too, I always, I often say this, if you, the, the consumer, right? One guy, if one guy's out there and says, Hey, do you come to, I don't know. Do you come to Gary, Indiana? Mm -hmm. I say, yes, I will. I'll come to Gary, Indiana. If you have nine other friends that you can rustle up in a decent range, uh, his cost is free. So the, the guy who initiates it, his cost is free, little payback, you know, just a little, sure. little uh, crowdfunding. So if, if, if a guy or a girl says, I want to do this class, roger that. You get nine extra people, guess what? Your attendance is completely cost free. Nice. You bring your own ammo, but you sure. know, the, the attendance cost is waived. Well, the cool thing is, now that we're doing instructional videos with you, we're going to bring you out to See more how people. I got ahead of that? See how I got that that ahead was good. You're, you're getting better. I want the long ash. And uh, yeah, so this is really my first my first year. Uh, I just really stopped doing overseas contract work for the federal government 
uh, in 19. 19 it was my last pool in Kabul, Afghanistan. Yep. My last trip. So now it's, you know, I, I got to tell you, uh, young man, 28 years old, Dylan Shorey, 18 x-ray program guy. He's the one that convinced me to come back and do this. And I wasn't going to at all. And it was a couple of Septembers ago. It was September 11th. Uh, we came back online a couple years ago before Afghanistan went down the shitter. Um, and he convinced me. And we went up to 14.5. We had 14.5 on our IG page. And then uh, we got booted by IG for the second time in a row. Um, so I didn't want to do it again. I was in Oceanside, California doing a piece of work. And uh, it went from 14.5 to zero. Wow. Just like that. And I'm like, come on, man. I try to get it back. I try to get a blue check mark. None of that shit works. Uh, you yeah. have to have some inside player. Liberal big brother. Well, it's a funny thing. This was a thing where this where entities were taking my image and they were catfishing women. Second time in a row. The, both of the, both of the I, <laughs> both of the IG pages that we lost were because of entities were taking my fo my photograph and then catfishing women. It's the most bizarre thing. I got a, a, there were numerous stories like this and I don't even wanna bore you with all the details, but a guy from England told me that his grandmother, his grandmother, mother, whatever it was, had spent over $10,000 on an entity that looked like me, it was my image, but was pretending to be someone else and was asking her for money constantly. We're gonna get married. We're gonna it's go. We go. On, it goes on and on, man. It's terrible. The, I mean, honestly, you look at it. The, the web, social media. It's a cesspool. It it's is terrible. It is. You have well, to comb through and pick through the right people. It's it's. You know, when we started Pantier Productions twelve years ago now, it was interesting because the really Facebook wasn't such a big deal. Instagram wasn't a big deal. YouTube was already a big deal. And as the years have progressed, now you have Instagram, uh, more so than even Facebook, and uh, YouTube is big. And you have all these guys out there, these, these professional instructors. They say they're professional instructors, and they're out there teaching stuff. And they have huge amounts of followers, 500,000, million followers, whatever it is on YouTube. But are they? Are they really a professional instructor? What is their background? You don't know. It's a microcosm of what's going on anyway in America. Do we trust our health officials anymore? No. I mean, no. do we trust our government anymore? No. Yeah. We, do we trust our media anymore? No, that's even worse. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah, it's true. And, and it's, man, it's, it's tough for anybody, you, me, the consumer, to go and say, yep, that's, I'm on that. Yep, I believe that. I, that's completely true. Is it? You know, you really, mm -hmm. so critical thinking. So, all right. So another good friend of mine and I were talking about the lack of critical thinking that is in our public education now. It's probably been this way for quite some time. Uh, I homeschool my little girl. Uh, she is a critical thinker. I make sure she knows that you have to take, just don't take this source, take these other sources too. Mm -hmm. Compare, contrast, put yourself in that person's shoes. Put yourself in this person's shoes. Find out where the truth lies. You know, so many times if, if there's a domestic, right? We'll just use this as a quick example. You know, woman says this, man says this. So there's three sides to the truth, not two. Right. There's hers, his, and probably what's really true. Mm -hmm. You know, so, and now, now it's all, ah, the media, man, it's all, about, it's all about the host, right? It's all about me, them. It's, oh, it's sad. It's but see, really sad. But I don't see out on social media guys out there as experts in how to drive fast on a track. I don't see them out there on how to fly this helicopter or how to fly this plane or how to navigate this boat in, in the open waters. But when it comes to firearms, oh my God, let, let me show you how to do this technique or that technique. And it's like, well, but really? Well, you look at these guys on the about though, when you said about, if you look at their bios, most oftentimes, yeah, they're, they might be suspect. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was in the army once. Right. Hmm. I'll tell you a story. I was in uh, Moore County, and uh, I was 
in the middle of training before I could could continue on with where I wanted to be. And uh, I was in the backyard. My father had loaned me a Ruger 22, mm -hmm. and I'm I put a target up on a tree, and I'm shooting this 22. Cacao, cacao. I'm getting my my grip right. I'm getting my side alignment, side picture right. I'm getting my muscle memory right. I'm getting my trigger reset right. I'm going on and on with it. Next thing you know, there's two law enforcement officers coming down the hill. They just showed up. I lived on a 40-acre spread when I first got to Moore County, North Carolina. And uh, it was a rental, by the way. I can't afford that. And uh, they're like, uh, hey, uh, we, we got some reports in the area that somebody was doing some shooting right here. I said, uh, yes, sir, that's me. Uh, and he said, are you in the Army? I said, yes, sir. He said, oh, you're good then. I'm like, what? Is that all it takes? <laughs> and he didn't ask for an ID card. He just said, ah, oh, you're good. But he saw, obviously, he saw me shooting into the tree. But still, you know, he's like somebody down the road had a horse get shot, you know, by somebody. I don't know if they were doing a joyride, shooting a horse or whatever. I don't know. But totally legit that somebody would be concerned that their neighbor, which was a mile away, was shooting a, a 22. Uh, but just because you're in the Army, just because you served in the Army, doesn't mean you're an expert. Right. Uh, Gladwell, outliers, 10,000 hours to become an expert. Now, there are some people out there that say that you, they can refute that, that number, but 10,000 hours to be an expert, that's a long time. Right. If you break that down, I wish, well, I, could, I guess I can get the calculator. If you break that down into days, that's a lot of days. Yeah. Uh, and guys, segue, I'm training some police officers and I asked a guy to do a thing, and his shock group is large. And I said, I'm keep, I, I, I just continue to watch him do the wrong thing. And I said, hey, I'm just asking you to open your, open your mind a little bit. And if you do this, you may get a better shock group. He said, I've been shooting for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. But yet, at 25 meters, I expect the shots to be in the black and to be a bull at 25 meters. So I'm like, well, if you do what I ask you, it may help. We brought all the students back in a break, and I said, look, I'm not thumping my chest because I'm full of hubris. I'm, I said, I'm gonna ask you a question. How many times a year do you get to do range work like this? One. Mm -hmm. One day. And that day is inevitably qualification day. That's all you get for most constabularies across the United States. That's all you get, Right. one day. So if you're going to qualification one day and you're going to use your 30 round, whatever your qualification is comprised of, 30 rounds, 50 rounds, 100 rounds, 100 rounds a year? Yeah. If you don't do it on your own? No, dude. Right. I'm like, look, I'm not thumping my chest, but my guys, my people, we did this every day. Every day. All day. That's all you did. You shot, you did PT, you shot, you did PT, you shot, you did PT. You know, this was, this was something that was, that's what you did. You had to be accurate. Absolutely have to be accurate. And uh, there's, there's too much, it's, it's funny, there's just too much slop right. in what these constabularies, even really councilmen, councilwomen, will allow their law enforcement officers to, uh, they expect them to go into the fire and be Totally accurate with very, very little training. Right. That's sad, right. man. That's sad, man. You see these videos. Oh, I can't believe they did that. Well, they don't get training on stress inoculation. Of course they did something crazy. They don't yeah. They don't get training, man. Right. La allow me to build a training program. Look, hey, if I wore the king hat for any kind of constabulary, local, federal, whatever, I'd have twice as many police officers uh, rather than half. And uh, me and this guy, uh, Thomas, talked about this uh, too. He's like, what happened to training? Why? why People training the wrong way. I say, Thomas, they're not training at all. These people aren't training at all. If I wore the king hat going back to that, I'd have double because half would be in the field and half would be training. Because mm -hmm. this is what regular army people do in a cycle, right? There's a training cycle, a deployment cycle. Uh, there's an admin cycle, a training cycle, deployment cycle, right? There's this whole cycle. People are shooting and training and people are doing something else. Maybe they're on a deployment. Maybe, you know, and I told these cats, in this one particular class with 90 students. I said, you get to do this one time a week, or one time a day, one time a year. I said, I did this five times a week unless I was hunting man. So come on, let's let's think about this, right? Just open your eyes, open your mind to what could be a better way to do it. Right. And you know, 
they, they calmed down and it was much better. But man. But it's unfortunate because you're right. Agencies have this, this stigma and those that cover the budgets for the agencies don't want to put the ammo out there for them to use, don't want them to get training. We've hosted free training at our range before. And I actually had two police officers that were going to bow out of free training with Bob Keller, a, a former unit guy. And I asked, why can't you come? It's a free class. We don't have the ammo. Yeah. What do you mean you don't have the ammo? Well, we have ammo, but it's allocated for our recall and we can't take that ammo out so we can't come. I'm like, fuck that, I'll give you the ammo, come take the class. And it's like, here's a, here's a sheriff's department in South Carolina that doesn't have the budget to train their officers. And in a place like this, a rural place like this, where your backup is 10 minutes away, 15 minutes yeah. away, you know? And is it one other guy, maybe two other guys? And you're driving by yourself. It's not like NYPD where you have a partner. Well, they should all have partners, by you the know, way. That's a whole other thing. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. One makes none. Two make one. Yes. You know, the, uh, all right, example. Um, a good friend of mine, Jimmy Hall, Tier 1 Eagle Tactics, has a contract to teach ODA. He's currently abroad. And he says, hey, can you take over for me? Can you be the primary instructor for this shooting program? I said, hell yeah, man. I'll do that for you. 100%. Uh it got scuppered because a third group, third special forces group, ODA, can't get the ammo. Wow. What world am I living in? Wow. That's well, crazy. But we're going to spend $14.5 billion on Ukraine. Yes. We can't even secure our own border. We're going to help somebody else's border. Well, now, now you're bringing I up I can't give my special thing. forces guys ammunition to do a shooting program. We got, and I've been in the industry now a long time, owned an ammo company. Nothing frosts my ass more than watching ammo companies say, ah, we're going to donate a million rounds to Ukraine. Well, back the fuck up. How about donating a million rounds to our police department? Thank you. You know? Thank you. I mean, I, I, I don't get that. I don't get that. Everyone got on the bandwagon so they could be on Instagram saying, XYZ donated a million rounds. Oh, another company. Oh, they did Badass, it. Badass, great. Give it to me. We got to do it too. So like three or four companies now, a million rounds, million rounds. So four million rounds are going to Ukraine. Okay. Um, well, then you want to match that for our law enforcement in it's the all U.S.? Masking, man. You know, give me the time, give me the tools. Right? What was it? World War II mantra, right? Give me the tools, and we'll finish the job. Yes. And what's the primary mission? And now I know that some of these some of these people that are giving this ammunition and this money and this time are private owners, and they can do whatever they want. Honestly, hey, look, we live in freedom; mm. they can do what they want. But primary mission for the federal government is to look after the American people not the people of somewhere else, the American people. It's their responsibility to look after the American people. If it's a constabulary, whether state or, or local, it's their responsibility to look after the people that, that is within their population. Right. Period. No, absolutely. Well, Stop. And, and there may be private companies. It may be an individual person that owns a specific ammo company. I get that. Or there may be a board that's involved. But somebody makes the decision at that point to donate ammunition overseas, outside of the United States, to whatever the cause happens to be. But at the same time, from a marketing standpoint, would it make more sense to take that million rounds of ammo, spread that among, I don't know, 100 agencies, 200 agencies, whatever, and maybe then those agencies would be like, oh, XYZ gave us ammo. Next time we need to buy ammo, we're gonna look at them. But. I am so happy to be able to work with you. Thanks, bro. No, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's been a great four days. We have a lot more video stuff to create with you. We have to get the word out there that you're out there teaching classes. I'm in. And uh, we need more inside story, sit down round tables. Completely concur. And uh, we have a lot more video stuff to do together. A lot more cigars to smoke, a lot more bourbon to drink. A lot more movies to watch. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> Welcome to the Make Ready with the Experts podcast. I'm your host, Fernando Coelho. We're here at Pantio Studios bringing you the very best from in and around the firearms industry, covering topics like guns, gear, firearms training, 
self-defense, and so much more. Everything from industry insights about the latest gear and training techniques, to hunting, survival, and empty hands. But this isn't just about the guns, folks. This is about the stories. The military, law enforcement, and civilian stories of heroics protecting our country, fellow citizens, friends, and neighbors. MakeReady.tv is the official website of Pantier Productions and features over 5,000 segments from world-famous instructors. With new video titles added each month, MakeReady.tv is widely known as the Netflix of firearms training. However, we really do go beyond that. We have survival series. We have empty hands. We have edged weapons. We cover armorer skills. We've done documentaries, even medical and hunting. With your subscription, you will have access to an extensive library of videos. To be quite honest, we got a lot. Be sure to visit MakeReady.tv and subscribe today to stream our exclusive content to any device, anywhere, anytime. This is content that just may save your life or the life of someone you love.